0: Welcome to Sane Split, a podcast about staying sane when relationships end. I am AJ Jakubowska, family law lawyer and mediator. Just like you, I'm human. I understand what can happen when people separate, lots of questions swirling around like confetti, lots of uncertainty, perhaps anger, disappointment, or even pain, sleepless nights, shallow breathing, Will I ever be happy again? Will the kids be okay? How much is all this going to cost? All of these questions are human and you're not alone. This podcast features my thoughts about separation and my interviews with other humans who help people when their relationships end. People who assist with legal issues, who mediate, who look after hearts and minds, and even after the pocketbook people who might help you plan your future. What you will hear is not legal advice. These are dialogues primarily about the human aspect of separation. We will try to stay away from legal lingo. It's humans talking to humans. I hope that something you hear will help you navigate your way to a saint's split. Welcome and thank you for tuning in. I'm recording this episode very close to the new year, which for many people marks the turning of a chapter, a new beginning, an opportunity to make changes. Some people embark on what they see as a new life. And so with this time of the year come New Year's resolutions, including promises to eat better, to take on exercise programs, and even to lose weight. Others expand the scope of their resolutions beyond themselves and make pledges to become more charitable, open-minded, to listen to others more actively, and for us family law lawyers perhaps take on more pro bono cases or help someone at a reduced hourly rate. There is an urban legend that family law lawyers experience an uptick in calls to their offices after the new year. It's not a myth, in fact, it is reality, because this time of the year brings with it clients who have decided over the holidays or around the turning of the calendar year to end their relationships. There are many reasons this happens. No separation fits neatly under a label or in a formula. But many new clients come to see me in January and tell me that they decided to defer their announcement to give the kids a chance to get through the holiday season without change or interruption. But they thought the new year was the right moment to affect the change that comes with separation. Others say the relationship has been teetering on the edge of disaster for some time, and the holidays essentially represented the last straw. There was friction over money and decisions made around the celebrations in 2020. Many couples experienced financial pressure related to the pandemic and choices around their children's schooling. And who keeps going to work and who stays home with the kids if they are learning online? In summary, the new year is seen by many as a time of change. Many decisions about separations happen around this time, and we family law lawyers and mediators hear about them in January. If you are thinking of separating, I'm recording this episode for you. It's not legal advice. It cannot be because you and I may not even know one another unless you are already a client of mine or a colleague, and I know a number of you do listen. If I do not know you, I couldn't possibly give you legal advice because I don't know the specific facts of your case. But I thought I would devote a few minutes to sharing with you my thoughts around this time of the year and the threshold at which many spouses are currently standing, married or common law, ensure what steps they should take forward. The thrust of the Canadian family law legal system is to encourage and help as many couples as possible to stay together, to work through their differences, to salvage their relationships, And as family law lawyers, we're obligated to advise our clients of the availability of marriage counseling, mediation, and other services which might assist in helping them through their difficulties. These obligations will be further heightened with the passage of the new Divorce Act in March 2021. But we also recognize that repairing a relationship is not always possible. Sometimes the waves which lap or even crash from time to time against the shore have eroded it over a period of years, and the rocks and sand which have washed away cannot be put back. The shore cannot be patched up. Sometimes the relationship is undercut by the presence of a third party, and this side relationship destroys trust, can cause great disappointment, anxiety, and suspicion. Of course, instances of domestic violence are very serious and sadly often destroy both marriages and common law relationships. In these situations, Safety must always come first, and victims must protect themselves and the children and flee to safety. In this episode, I will not be addressing relationships involving domestic violence. If you are in such a relationship, I encourage you very, very strongly to seek help by reaching out to your family physician, the police, local shelters and other community organizations. You matter and your safety is very important. Please get help. What I do want to spend a few minutes on are individuals who are either considering ending a relationship or who have already decided to do so. And in both situations are not sure what steps to take next. If you have been listening to this podcast, you know that I love hypotheticals because I find them helpful in illustrating how various situations may be addressed and how questions can be posed and answered. I'm going to employ two of them here. In hypothetical number one, Jose is thinking about ending his long-term marriage the last 12 months have brought him even closer to his decision. It is not yet final, but the holiday season further heightened the growing tension between Jose and his wife Maria. In hypothetical number two, Clara has decided to separate from Masumi and to end their 12-year-long common law relationship. Clara has not yet told Masumi she's leaving, and she's wondering what steps she might take to prepare for that announcement. I firmly believe that information is power, and that planning ahead can help one deal more effectively, not to mention more sanely, with situations which have the potential of being difficult, unpleasant, challenging, or stressful. I believe that information and planning are particularly important in the family law context. So, what exactly do I mean here? Let's talk about where information fits in for both Jose and Clara. If I could guide their steps, I would send them both for legal advice. And that does not automatically mean retaining a lawyer, but at least for consultation so that they understand their legal rights and obligations. Without question, if there are children in either of these relationships, Clara and Jose need to understand the practical impact on them of their parents' decision to separate and what rights and obligations they may have as to decision-making for the kids. The consultation with the family law lawyer should also involve a discussion about residential arrangements in both the short-term and the long-term, but also very practical, very immediate issues like who will take them to their doctor's appointment and who picks them up from school if they are sick. These are just uh, simple examples. There are many other issues to consider here. Then there are both immediate and long-term financial issues, and here I'm talking about continuing to meet the expenses of the household after the decision to separate is made and communicated to the other spouse. And possibly for a period of time until one of the parties moves out or the house is sold. But also longer term support issues involving both child and spousal support. Who has the obligation to support the other? In what amount? Based on what level of income? Is it child support? Is it spousal support? Is it both? Will the spouses continue to live at the same residence for a period of time after the separation and while the rest of the case is being sorted out? Because this is possible in many circumstances. Yes, two spouses can be separated and still live under the same roof. Will the expenses of the household continue to be paid from the joint account? Will the spouses or one of them continue to deposit their pay into that account? What about debts? How will those be serviced? In the longer term, what is to happen with the residence? If it's a house or condo, will it be sold? And if so, when? Will one of the spouses buy out the other? And will the spouses be able to agree on the price, or will appraisals be required to figure that out? Again, in the longer term, dealing with assets and debts will be necessary, definitely if the parties are married, and most definitely if they are common law but are intertwined financially with assets and debts in joint names, for example. There are many issues to be considered here, and Jose and Clara may not even be aware of some of them, but would have that information more readily available to them if they sought out a family law consultation. Remember, one doesn't have to retain a lawyer immediately on a full-time basis, And if you have listened to this podcast, you know that I'm a big supporter of limited-scope legal services. If you'd like to learn more about them, take a look at the website I will include in the show notes. And it will provide you with lots more information, including a roster of lawyers who provide those services in your part of Ontario. So what is the first takeaway for today? Get some legal advice as soon as you can. What you hear may not always be what you want to hear, but hearing it will give you a greater sense of control and an ability to plan for what is ahead of you. This is important for both Jose and Clara, but in his case, getting some legal advice as soon as possible is particularly important because he has not yet made the decision to take the final step. And hearing about his rights and obligations may assist him in picking the road ahead as he's standing at the crossroads. Clara has made up her mind and she will press on with it one way or another irrespective of what she may hear about legal issues ahead, good or bad. Having knowledge, having information in connection with the decision to separate is not limited to information about legal rights and obligations. Other areas of the spouse's and the children's lives will also be impacted. For example... When considering the future of the residence in which the parties are living right now, it might be useful to know if Jose could raise additional funding on his own if he decided to buy out Maria's interest in the house. Or for Clara, whether her current income would be sufficient for a small mortgage on a townhome, for example if she decided to move out right away again lots of issues here and an experienced family law lawyer even in the context of a consultation would be able to give jose and clara some tips on areas they may want to investigate in connection with the separation before communicating the decision to the other side A few words about planning. In the context of a separation, I find that in many instances, when people hear the word planning, they think of something that is underhanded, improper, sneaky, or conspiratorial. Yes, there can be situations where in preparation for separation, a spouse moves some of their property into the names of other people, or sends their money offshore, for example. And those would be underhanded ways of approaching the separation in an effort to shortchange the other spouse on what they are entitled to, or on ways to collect it. But more generally speaking, planning can be a good rather than a bad thing, and does not have to involve doing financial harm to the other. Some examples, by planning I mean looking in advance into potential residential arrangements if the situation at home after the separation announcement becomes very difficult. Or gathering up all of the documents which you will need to complete a financial statement, also in advance. If you have heard my three-part series on completing a financial statement, you know how much documentation can be involved. My colleague, Schmuel Stern, will be happy to help you with your disclosure at Disclosure Clinic. Listen to my interview with him last week. But it would be wise to gather up some of those documents in advance. Some spouses are concerned that if they tell the other that they have decided to end the relationship, paperwork will disappear from the home, records will be destroyed, and steps taken in retaliation. Hopefully, that will not be the case, but it's best to prepare for the possibility that it may consider changing both computer and email passwords and, in fact, any other passwords which you might have in the past shared with your spouse to sources of information which you would no longer want them to have. That kind of planning, that is what I'm talking about. If Clara has decided that she's going to move out of the home she has been sharing with Masumi for the last few years, and there are no child-related reasons not to move out, then it would have been wise for Clara to have planned ahead as to where she will go and how she will pay for that new residence. Is she moving into a rental? Does she have sufficient funding for first and last month's rent? and the rent payments for the next few months? Will her new apartment be close enough to the common residence so that she and Masumi can continue to co-parent their son? Again, if you are a parent and you're considering moving out of the residence without your child or children, it is very, very important that you get legal advice on this point before doing so there may be important reasons for you not to do that. For Jose, one priority is that the children stop being exposed to ongoing fights between him and Maria. Many of such fights now taking place in front of them, or at least within their earshot. He's thinking that once he tells Maria the marriage is over from his perspective, He may want to move to his parents for a short period of time and then hopefully get a small house of his own. He realizes that because Maria hasn't worked in years, he may owe her spousal support. And if the children reside with her primarily, he will owe Maria child support as well. Will he be able to manage all this financially? Is the scenario that Maria and the kids remain at the matrimonial home after the separation at all feasible in the longer run? Jose would like the children to spend as much time with him as possible. So in a perfect world, they would live with each of their parents one half of the time. But his current work schedule is shift work. That would make a shared residential arrangement challenging. José might consider speaking to his boss informally to find out whether moving to more conventional work hours is possible. There is also the emotional and psychological impact of separation, not only on the person making the decision to end the relationship, but also on all others involved, including the kids Focusing on Joe and Clara for the moment, both might want to investigate support networks available to them. Psychologists, therapists, counselors, priests, rabbis, and imams. The support of such individuals can be very important and very helpful in shepherding a person through what is sometimes what is often, in fact, a challenging and turbulent time. When a person is considering whether to separate, as is the case with Jose, there may be feelings of guilt involved, a sense of responsibility for ending a marriage, perhaps from a religious perspective. Jose has been carrying this on his shoulders for some months now, and it may be impacting his day-to-day ability to manage stress or perhaps even his sleep patterns. Such supportive assistance is also often required after the separation announcement is made. Is the counselor with whom Clara consulted before deciding to separate from Masumi available to continue to meet with Clara After the separation, how will Clara pay for such counseling in the event Masumi terminates her coverage under her benefits? Because Masumi is angry at Clara for ending the relationship. That sort of planning ahead can be very helpful. And it can go some way in straightening the road ahead just a little bit, removing some of the bumps which inevitably come in some degree. Then there is the practicality of communicating the decision to separate. If Jose decides to end the marriage, how will Maria find out about that? Will he tell her? Will she receive a letter from his lawyer? Who will tell the children? Should he and Maria be telling them together? Maybe Jose is prepared to make One last effort at addressing the difficulties he and Maria have been experiencing over the last 12 months. Maybe the pandemic has had something to do with the increasing tension between them. Maybe some of the tension, some of the practical challenges in day-to-day life got worse once he moved to shift work. They had talked about marriage counseling before and never did anything about it. Maybe he should propose it to Maria now and see how she reacts. Maybe Jose's decision will make itself, so to speak, if Maria says there is no point in marriage counseling as it won't fix our problems. No point. Our pairings, our relationships often become a fundamental part of our identity, including over time. This is why the decision to end them can be so profoundly impactful and can involve such a wide range of emotions. If, as the calendar year draws to a close, you are standing at crossroads, you feel you are alone in your experience and that making the decision or having made the decision taking the next step feels overwhelming. You are not alone. Your feelings are natural and very human, and many others share them, including around New Year's. One key to a sane split is understanding what is involved in a separation and what is ahead of you. What is ahead of you, your spouse, and your children. A separation cannot be planned and executed like a project like moving your family to another town, for example. But here, too, you can educate yourself ahead of time. Find out about your proposed destination, the pros and cons of moving, the related cost, what it would take to sell your current residence, move your family, change the kids' schools, and so on. And in the scenario involving a move, your spouse would be part of the decision-making team you would be making that decision together, then you would plan it. When it comes to a separation, these are seldom, very seldom truly amicable. So one spouse wants to separate and the other one does not. That makes planning more challenging. But that does not mean there should be none at all. You could plan a series of scenarios depending on how the separation announcement is received, for example, again, seek out information and then do some planning. They will give you a greater sense of control and importantly, may make your spouses and your children's adjustment to your announcement smoother. If your plan, for example, is that the expenses of the household Continue to be paid from the joint account, and your pay would go in as usual, at least in the short term. Communicating that to your spouse may ease their fear about finances. How will groceries be paid for and the kids' clothing? Very, very practical stuff. So, turning your mind to these issues in advance having received some legal advice, will be helpful to you and to the other members of your family. As the year 2020 draws to a close, with its challenges for all of us, I wish all of my listeners the very best in the new year. And to those of you standing at the crossroads wondering which path to take and how, these decisions can be difficult But you're not alone. Thank you for listening. I hope you will tune in again. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach me through my website, separationinontario.com. Subscribing to the podcast through your favorite app will make future episodes available to you automatically. Signing off for now.